when you're when you're influenced by something, a person or an event, you almost instantly make two decisions. First of all, is this thing novel enough for me? Is this thing new enough for me? So does it have novel novelty potential? And then immediately afterwards, you're going to ask yourself, do I have enough coping potential? Do I have enough capacity to deal with this? And and if you if you have both, yes, you're going to be curious. Curiosity is the only way out for us in the fourth industrial revolution. Um, we have to be smarter. We, uh, it's not smarter, but we don't know the future. This is the CTQ Smartcast, where we have conversations about up-leveling, deliberate practice, and getting future relevant. I choose to think, we think curiosity makes the world go round. And so when we heard of our guest today and his venture, the Global Curiosity Institute, well, we knew we had to talk to him. So our guest today is Stefan Van Huynong. Stefan, welcome to the Smartcast. Thank you. Thank you, so, thank you so much for having me. So Stefan, before we get into your current journey, can you tell us the curious paths that you've taken before you got here? I... Um... I think my all my entire life was one of curiosity. I, uh, I lived in quite a number of countries. I, I'm from Belgium originally, um, and already during my studies, uh, I studied Chinese and economics. And during my studies, I left for uh, uh, for China, and then I graduated, and then I moved to Hong Kong, and then uh, in investment consulting in the end of the 1990s, beginning of the uh, uh, no, at the end of the 1980s. So when China was just opening up and it was a, a very dynamic, um, energizing, uh, energizing time, was in inv- working in investment consulting and then moved uh, to uh, into the learning space. I set up a business school or the executive education part of a business school in uh, in Shanghai, um, and then I moved to the corporate side. So I joined Nokia in China, moved into Finland, the headquarters of Nokia, um, and I've been always involved in in innovation of, of learning and, and being either the head of a corporate university or the chief learning officer or both mm-hmm. and have been doing that in, in indeed in, in Nokia and then ACFA and uh, spent some time with uh, with Philips uh, with Flipkart in India in Bangalore had a beautiful time there and then in Saudi Arabia I was and uh, with in London I was with Cognizant my last job before I started the institute um, and in Cognizant I was in charge of uh, the learning and development for 300,000 people which which in itself is a is a humbling thought I think to make sure that everybody gets gets constantly driving and and also is constantly curious um, because at the end of the day learning and development uh, can only do so much uh, we can bring the water, the, the horse to the water almost, proverbially, but we cannot make it drink. So the more people are really curious and keen to, to grow themselves and much, and if the organization is supporting, that magic happens without actually learning and development from doing anything. So that got me excited about uh, learning, but we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about it in the next session. Thanks for having me. Quite a fascinating journey. I think something that we would expect someone uh, you know who loves curiosity to kind of have uh, so uh, so Stefan a lot of people watching this uh, you know probably th- think that you know they were curious as children but uh, their jobs their professions 
they may not really see the role of curiosity in it. So what do you say to people like them? Well, indeed, it is true that curiosity has a, has a different notion in, in society. Uh, and we all know that curiosity killed the cat. Uh, at least we have that saying, as if curiosity is a bad thing. And indeed, you see, if you're looking at the notion of curiosity through history, you see that curiosity is um, at best allowed, but in many times in history, it's really frowned, frowned upon. Because curiosity has something unruly about it. Curiosity, in my definition, is, is, is the desire to challenge the status quo, to learn, to explore, to discover. Um, now, um, when you look, for instance, very, very, very interesting, when you're looking at the early church fathers, um, uh, they were saying that curiosity is bad. Mm. Uh, because it takes you away from your interest in, in God. So don't do these strange things and go wandering about in, uh, in, in, in your thoughts, because that's just uh, a negative thing. Uh, um, so, and all the way till, till, till now, when you're looking at the Renaissance, uh, thinkers were thinking, we're starting to explore the world, and you, we, we all know that, 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 that part of history. But all, often they said curiosity is only relevant for the, for the haves. Um, the have-nots shouldn't be too curious, you should, should listen and be quiet type of thing, you know, and you still see that pervasive uh, after the Industrial Revolution, where the industrialists were the guys with the, with the ideas and the innovation, but the workers or the blue colors in our current language were there to just shut up and do what we tell you to do. And we don't want you to venture out some uh, too many ideas. Think about Frederick Taylor, who for me is probably the most important thinker in the 20th century because he invented the economic system that we have now. Um, when he said in his scientific management that the managers are there to do the thinking and the not managers are there to do the, the doing. And please don't think uh if you're not a, a doer type of thing you know so we see that nowadays also in our um uh, in our educational system it's a teacher who knows and uh, the students who don't know and, and and shut up and work towards tests and um so while at the same time you're seeing um beautiful examples of where curiosity is changing things and now in covid times um, you see, you see at the company level, because it's not only individuals who can be curious, also companies and even societies can be curious or not. You see that uh, some companies are taking the COVID situation as a, um, as, as, as a beautiful innovation stepping stone, while a lot of companies are just freezing. Um, and maybe we'll talk about it, about some of the, the the, um, uh, the barriers to curiosity, um, stress and anxiety is, is, is the worst thing you can do to, uh, to curiosity. So, and if you allow it, then things are, are, are happening. So I, to, back to your question, I think that curiosity is the only way out for us in the fourth industrial revolution. Um, we have to be smarter. We, uh, it's not smarter, we don't know the future. Until about 10, 15 years ago, we, we, there was kind of this linear path towards uh, where we are now, because it was all predictable, like today is predictable upon yesterday. But more and more, um, and the word has been overused, it's VUCA words, it's the volatile and uncertain uh, the type of an environment. Um, 
nowadays, if kids go to school, they, the, they, they learn the tricks of the past. But the tricks of the past are not always helping towards solving for the future because the future is so uncertain. Uh, um, but let me stop here for, for, uh, for, uh, for, uh, for, for a second. But the more curious you people are, um, the more they are, and that's already proven, the more they're, 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 they're making faster careers, they're making more money, the more companies are curious, the more, as I said earlier about COVID, the more they're, they're innovating and they're allowing innovation from happening um, and the more societies thrive. So um, I hope that people don't focus too much on, on the cat, but focus more on themselves. Right. Quite a lot of fascinating threads uh, to unpack this, Stefan. So, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, the frowning down on curiosity, people somewhat you know, associated with a little bit of a mischief. You have to have a little bit of a, a questioning attitude, a slightly uh, mischievous attitude sometimes. And uh, that can turn off people, the, the powers that be. But as, we, as you said, you know, this year, uh, if there hadn't been uh, centuries or decades of curiosity, we, would, we wouldn't be uh, innovating on vaccines. We wouldn't be asking questions like, what does it take to, you know, uh, suddenly re-architect re your life, the way you work almost overnight. So uh, you mentioned a few of these barriers. So why don't we uh, get into that? What do you think are the, you know, the top few barriers that hold people uh, from expressing their curiosity? Well, I, it's, a, it's a beautiful question. I think there's two dimensions, and I'll, I'll cover the I'll, I'll cover the two dimensions. In uh, curiosity is not only on, not only about the individual. Curiosity is also about the environment. Um, um, the I can be curious, but if my environment is pushing me not to be curious, for instance, if I have an overbearing manager uh, who just wants to be do and not to think and not to venture ideas and volunteer uh, new uh, questions and things like that, then I'm going to um, I'm going to be curious maybe in my private space, but not in my corporate space. Um, so there's also an environment, or if a parent doesn't allow their kids to ask questions uh, with the 70 times why, 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 that young kids are asking, then, then it's proven that actually the intellectual capacity of the child goes down. So the, the environment is important as well as the individual uh, dimension. Um, I think at an individual detractor would be things, as I mentioned earlier, anxiety, stress um, for professions, routine is an important one. Uh, just doing all the time the same stuff. Uh, that's also kind of hampers your curiosity. And also knowledge, uh, having too little or too much. And maybe I'll, 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 come, I'll come to that in a second, uh, what research has shown about curiosity in, in the, 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 perfect, uh, the perfect, perfect spot. So these are some of the individual's uh, barriers, stress, anxiety. Uh, if you're talking about stress and anxiety, if you're looking now at uh, refugee camps or now in, 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 in COVID, if everything is, is happening to you, if you're stressful because of the environment, because of other things, you're not going to be curious. You're, it's a little bit like Maslow, you know, you're focusing on survival rather than the next step because learning and growth and curiosity and innovation are all preparing us for tomorrow, but not for today. Right. Now, some of the ex environmental or external drivers for uh, as a barrier for curiosity for me are um, um, you know, people, 
people could be in enormous uplifters of our curiosity because it can pull us down. Also, culture and climate. Um, um, I've seen company where, for instance, there's no rotation policy, uh, where people are not allowed to move from job A to job B, even if they wanted to. So that's not really helping me. That's kind of a culture or an environment um, or even algorithms. If you're looking at Facebook and uh, the, the social media environments where people are drawn into their own tribe uh, and are always conf uh, always have messages that confirm my thinking of today, I'm not going to uh, be encouraged to think about what the neighbor thinks or what some other uh, people that are not part of my thinking in the environment. If you allow me, I'd love to kind of maybe dwell one second on the knowledge part. Because sure. um, too little knowledge is, is hamper, hampering for curiosity, too much knowledge also. So um, curiosity is following somehow of an inverted U-shape. Um, if, um, um, where if you don't know anything about something, uh, imagine I'm not, I'm not great at astrophysics. Uh, and if people are giving me some um, um, some formulas or some solar systems um, in mathematical format, I I don't know enough about that. So I'm not going to allow myself to be curious in that space because of I have too little knowledge. People have all also found that people are hugely specialized in something and think of themselves as big specialists. They're also not going to be very curious anymore. And there's for, there's, for instance, some research has shown that there's danger with doctors who have too much experience. Um, they're often less uh, good at, at, at diagnosing patients than young doctors who still have um, this feeling of urge or am I doing the right thing? Am I going to go deep enough? Am I going to read up on things that I don't know? Um, also, often young doctors are more in tune with young research, but, but that's kind of a, a feeling. And this entire... If if you have if you wanted your knowledge if your knowledge is just enough, not too much, not too little, then you're often at your best pace of curiosity. So there's two dimensions that come in. And when you're when you're influenced by something, a person or an event, you almost instantly make two decisions. First of all, is this thing novel enough for me? Is this thing new enough for me? So does it have novel novelty potential? And then immediately afterwards, you're going to ask yourself, do I have enough coping potential? Do I have enough, do I have enough tools in my head? Do I have enough uh, capacity to deal with this? And, and if, you, if you have both, yes. Uh, if you answer yes to, to both, you're going to be curious. And that's why you're seeing that some people are curious in one thing and less in the other. Um, if I... Um, um, so that's an important thing that often people think that oh you have to let let knowledge go to be curious. That's the wrong thing. The more knowledge you have, the more you're going to be curious because you have a better database to to create inferences and stuff. I think that's a really nice framework. One of the uh, you know the knowledge access and the the means or the ability to cope uh, access uh, to look at uh, maybe especially when you're trying to deconstruct why. Someone is, instead of saying they're not curious, you're, you're probably asking a much better question if you ask, what is the right environment for them to be uh, curious in? Uh, and I think your, uh, your ex example of the doctor, uh, I, it wasn't a point I thought of earlier, which is in some sense, you're saying that 
intellectual humility the right amount of intellectual humility is also important for curiosity because uh, it makes you stop uh, question whether your knowledge has changed in any fashion the environment has changed in any fashion and that uh, humility plus a little bit of uh, safety in terms of asking being able to express that question uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know I, is what i picked up from what you just said beautiful very nice yes absolutely so uh, so uh, you know orgs, there are some organizations who would love to have curiosity uh, in in the organization or sometimes even call it out as a core value uh, and uh, you know uh, so if if you had a organization that said curiosity was a core value what behaviors do you think you would expect their employees to be exhibiting well um um beautiful question i um there's probably two things to this when i when i talked about the external dimension as well as the internal dimension a curious organization would need to allow curiosity from happening um so that's the the curious organization is creating the right culture the right climate for uh, for innovation to happen um now uh and next to that of course there's also the individual to uh show curiosity um what if if we're focusing on the individuals for a second what i've been intrigued with through my career is that some people are naturally just doing this without having without even being called curious these people a players um people that are naturally are reading things that are naturally on top of their game or are naturally part of the right networks inside the organization extend who have the natural humility as 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 you just mentioned to uh, to not pretend they know everything and uh, so these people of course we all want to think of ourselves as being a players but what research uh, has shown is that about 10 to 15% of your population in your organizations would be really called a players So these people are doing this naturally and to to your questions these people already behave in such a way now you have the b players which is the uh, the majority of your organization people that want it and at, at times are curious but not are not doing it consistently and not doing it all the time and these people typically are people that need some support um either support by a manager or support by culture or just support by by uh, by processes to uh, to really become a players um and this is where my experience in my last couple of companies by by um but by not just telling people hey guys and girls you have to be self propelled and you have to be curious and because children are are curious you also have to be curious uh without realizing that maybe people might have lost some of their curiosity along the way um and not kind of giving the right tools and training and mindset to uh to go in that direction might be um might be just wishful thinking um and in and my experience has in actually doing uh, uplifting sessions and training people on mindset mm-hmm. on 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 curiosity on growth mindset just planting those seeds in people's minds makes already a lot of difference uh and then giving it back and then people are adults and treating if you treat them like adults they'll they will they will um, rise to the occasion um at least the majority of them will yeah in fact i choose to think we often think of this as 
nurturing a garden right you uh, you cannot just pick and right just suddenly expect it to grow overnight it will take its time but you have to keep watering it you have to keep tilling the soil but it it takes a little bit of effort from everyone absolutely i think i think uh, i i love the the metaphor of of, of a garden because uh, in some cases as a as a manager or as a leader you can you can only water the plants but you don't know whether they'll grow big or not it's up to the plants and the soil and other things to um but managers have such a huge um huge power uh i, I call them the, the shadow of a manager uh the 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 shadow that they're casting on their environment which can be uh beautiful now if i'm talking to leaders often i've not seen any leader I've not seen every any single individual actually when I'm asking the question are you curious who are saying no actually I'm not curious uh everybody thinks of themselves and that's that's a great starting point everybody thinks of themselves as as being curious um now what what my own research and uh a lot of research of others have have uh, have shown is that when people are referring to curiosity they only refer to what you could call intellectual curiosity mm-hmm. um and what i'm what i've added in and and you might have taken the uh, the diagnostic i shared with you only the link on over over email the um then i'm also focusing on intellectual curiosity is very important but i'm also focusing on empathic curiosity social curiosity am i curious about others um and then probably the most important one for me is am i interested about myself right we have two eyes which is looking externally looking to the world and looking to others um but our we don't really have a sense organ to watch internally you know um and also schooling is not preparing for the society is not preparing for us to go i'm 52 years old i'm 52 years of dust on let's call it my soul mm. uh so i cannot penetrate very quickly and very easily into my soul because i have to plow through 52 years of of dust and how do i do that how do i kind of un uncover the onion all to go all the way to the core and although we're saying that we are curious and that we are self aware and that we do self reflection it's harder um that's why maybe moving back to the leaders Uh, there was uh, some beautiful piece of research done by INSEAS, the, 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 the French business school, and um, they asked leaders, executives and non-executives mm-hmm. how much their organization would allow for curiosity. And 83% of the leaders says, yes, our organization is doing this, is allowing and is orchestrating curiosity, but only 50% of the non-executives were agreeing with this. So it's all also your perception of how because uh, typically leaders would be the people who are who who put in the extra hours put in the extra efforts were at times also lucky I guess uh in making their career so they're more paid to be curious than the non um, people and you might think that your organization is allowing curiosity but it might not be felt by everybody in your organization so um Actually you made me think about the humility I think it's a really important uh important dimension if you're if you're if you're thinking of a number of leaders mm-hmm. that kind of 
come to mind who are really good at this kind of big leaders i would call maybe an elon musk mm -hmm. who's trying to put his fingers in so many different things because he wants to kind of explore new things and then he, he recruits specialist teams to drive that Mm -hmm. uh, or a Satya Nadella, who who allowed, uh, who changed dramatically Microsoft mm -hmm. into um, a not know-it-all culture, but a learn-it-all culture. So it was okay not to know, and to be uh, to be to have this humility, as you mentioned so so rightly, um, uh, to say I don't know. Uh, let's find out together, uh, or what do you think, uh, rather than appearing to be on top of everything all the time. Um, or a um, uh, or a Vas uh, Narasimhan from Novartis, who, as and you mentioned it earlier, who is such a believer in this that he changed his corporate values mm -hmm. uh, and included curiosity as part of the corporate values, which is uh, um, a beautiful uh, a beautiful dimension. But maybe we can. I'm talking too long. Um, no, I think uh, the definition of a great conversation is where, uh, you know, we don't know everything. So we are learning it all uh, in, in conversation like this. So it's been fascinating. Uh, in fact, I did want to ask about the leaders and you did mention a few. So uh, let's ask a harder question. Uh, the more hard-nosed question of, is there a business case for curiosity that can be made? Because we've quoted examples, we know from personal experience, the role that curiosity has played, but uh, is there enough, you know, enough of a case now for curiosity for leaders to just, you know, just go ahead and uh, bring that in? Well, that's a very good question. And in 2018, uh, Harvard Business came, uh, Business Review came out with a, with a cover story around the business case for, for, for curiosity. I, um, I definitely think there is a business case. If you're looking at our, what I said earlier, at our recent COVID environment, you have companies who are freezing um, and you have companies who are uh, using COVID as a, as a jumping board towards new greatness. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think that companies are, uh, would need somehow to find out a better balance between what I would call exploration and exploitation. Mm -hmm. um, exploitation is what we've been so good at until recently, you know, um, that's the entire function of efficiency, mm -hmm. running the right ship. And that's very much in, in a Frederick Taylorist thinking. Um, uh, and then you have innovation coming in when crisis is hitting us. Um, and we're still looking at our old efficiency matrices, then, and if we're freezing, it's not really going to help us. Um, and also nowadays with, with uh, the fourth industrial revolution driven by infotech and biotech, there's so many changes uh, hitting us. Um, Everybody is affected by, by either AI or by changing industrial dynamics or by things just doing continuing doing the things we did yesterday, mm. it's not a very good recipe to, to preparing us for the future anymore. Mm. It might have been 20 years ago, not anymore. So, so suddenly the allowing for questions, mm. allowing for questioning the status quo, allowing from ideation from happening in the organization is, um, there's this is white, white, white's good company in China. 
higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have found this already quite a while ago. They, they said there's a direct correlation between how many ideas you allow to bubble up in your organization and the, the number of new products you can uh, you can you can grow and you can kind of, and not every idea is 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 is, is viable, but that's fine. The more ideas you have, the more possibilities you have of having um, uh, good ideas bubbling up. You know, so some companies are starting to become really good at this. Mm-hmm. And the answer, maybe back to Satya Nandela's environment, is just to let go of some things. Mm-hmm. Just saying, maybe I don't know, and let's. Let's not assume that a small group of leaders have all the information, but what can we do to, to invite everybody to, to chip in? Um, especially in a knowledge intense environment. Mm. So the managers often is not anymore the person who knows. Because okay. uh, it's the experts around you know, and your role is to guide and to channel and to, 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 to do all the things that you can do well. Um, a factory setting might be slightly different and even then there i think listening to people on the shop floor for ideas and how the things can do things better faster is also a, a way that again requires humility to uh, to assume that we don't know everything so i think business case um we need to do i need to do more research mm-hmm. um but what i'm finding already is that it's, it's not only for the individual, it's for the individual and the team and the environment uh, to thrive together. Um, it's a great way of balancing uh, exploitation and exploration. Um, often managers are saying that, uh, oh, I don't want to allow too many ideation because that will keep people from their efficiency because uh, then people continue. Um, now, I think that's typically uh, kind of less efficient managers are talking about this because good managers know when to allow for exploration versus, and then they say, okay, now we've done our ideation and let's let's move into production now. Mm. Um, there was a recent uh, beautiful piece of research that SurveyMonkey had been doing um, and they found that curiosity combined with agility mm-hmm. were two uh, key aspects for a company to thrive in the current critical crisis information. Um, does that, do, I, do, do I make sense? Yeah, you did. I think uh, uh, one is the, you know, the evidence outside and one is the evidence that you see for yourself. Uh, I think a few of the companies that you mentioned have you know, cross that emotional resistance to something like this. And uh, I think, uh, like you said, since, you know, you, you have a lot of ideas that power innovation, curiosity is the fuel that in turn powers these ideas. So uh, there is a very clear yeah. correlation yeah. Yeah. Uh, with all of this. Yeah. Uh, so, I, uh, I had one uh, question there, uh, Stefan. You mentioned, you know, some of these companies and their leaders. Uh, they are like the stars, you know, who themselves are so curious, and you know, you can see uh, their curiosity in different uh, ways. So, what are the manifestations of this curiosity for you know the people on the ground to actually feel that you know? Also, to refer to your point about uh, you know leaders uh, seeing how curious their organizations are versus you know the non-executives uh, having a different uh, perception. So, what are the manifestations of curiosity uh, for people on the ground to feel that yes, we are 
you know we are part of a culture which is encouraging uh, curiosity um it's a, a a beautiful question harish the let me talk about the results first of what some of the kind of what you could see in a, in a, in a, in a curious environment and then we can see maybe what the benefit what the the traits are for a manager and maybe some of the uh the aspects people need to feel i think the results of curiosity uh um and again i'm basing myself on what what research have, fo uh, have focused there's fewer uh, decision making errors in curious organization because the more people are curious the more they realize for instance what their confirmation bias is the more people are curious they're going to listen to each other and you're going to limit groupthink um, um also you're going to be less stereotyping of people so there's less 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 decision making errors uh, there's also less group conflict and that's more related to empathic curiosity the more you are putting your you're able to put yourself in people's shoes and not only try to kind of really to to think from my perspective and only my perspective the more you're going to be able to yeah to be able to relate to other people's ideas be open for them to also be able to open to people's emotions people's reactions another result is that for both creative but also non-creative groups there's more innovation happening if um, if you're if you're curious um, more, um, um, there's also a better balance as i said earlier between exploration and exploitation so these are some of the the the, the emanation um, how um, i think um, as an employee how do i experience those things um, it's interesting. I just started launching a team diagnostic. Mm -hmm. um, you, you have taken the individual diagnostic, the team diagnostic, and the individual diagnostic is all about how do I behave as a curious individual against my curiosity, the world, others, and self. The team diagnostic I'm doing now with uh, with, with a number of companies is how much is the environment allowing me uh, to be curious or not. Um, and there I find a number of dimensions already, the, uh, the culture of ideation, the culture of, am I allowed to come up with questions? Can, can I ask naughty questions? Mm -hmm. Can I ask difficult questions? Can I ask questions about why are we doing the things we're doing? Mm -hmm. um, um, uh, maybe you don't have to ask those questions in town halls, but at least in smaller groups where there is kind of this, this psychological safety i can question things can i venture ideas or am i just uh, asked to um, to ask the things uh, to am i just asked to do the things i need to do uh, and do i come to the office every morning and my boss is telling me oh this is what your work package for the day and for the rest shut up and do what you need to do um or um the um the the manager relationship uh, or the relationship with uh, with colleagues or um, um, is there a, a sense of, can I fail here? Um, of course, you don't want to fail all the time around the same topic, but can I, can I stick out my neck and fail at something? And do I get celebrated then? Mm -hmm. Do I get a thank you note from my CEO? You failed, but you learned something and maybe you learned for, for, for some other project. Or is this tarnishing your, uh, your career prospects type of a thing? So, uh, again, that's 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 um, uh, psychological safety. 
to to uh, uh, to drive this. And again, I think managers have a huge role to play there. Mm. Humility is 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 an important one. Um, this balance between exploration exploitation, um, but also role modeling behavior mm. is really keen. Um, um, being open to feedback. Mm. Uh, am I am I open to feedback? One of the standard questions I asked during my performance discussions with my teams um, was, I always had one standard question is, how am I doing? Mm. Uh, and that is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a also, a, I guess, a humility driven question because it can put you on the spot because you don't know what you're going to get back type of a thing, you know? Uh, but just by, by, by venturing that question, mm. Uh, there's so much I learned mm. about myself, about the team, about things we can improve once you open that. And I would, I would encourage everybody to do that. But that's also part of this role modeling. Um, I'm curious about you think, what do you think about me type of a, uh, of a question. And, um, I don't know whether I've fully answered your question, Harish, but I, I, I hope I touched upon some dimensions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it, uh, you know, popped up another uh, question in my mind. Uh, so I think it's safe to assume that, you know, everyone here in this call will probably be talking of the price of not being curious as the most important thing. But have you ever faced that question from anyone who has asked you, what is the price of, you know, being curious as an organization? Is there something that I'm, you know, letting go in terms of so-called efficiency or some other, uh, you know, traditional metric just because we're being curious? It's a, it's a beautiful question. I've not heard the question. I saw in, in one of our Harvard, uh, Harvard Business uh, Review um, paper by um, 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 Gina Francesca, I think she, it was, is that she did some research around the topic of um, is curiosity or is the assumption that inefficient that curiosity will lead to inefficiencies mm. and she she found uh, she found that it isn't that is more like an urban myth mm. that if you allow too much uh, too much ideation and too much questioning that that would lead to inefficiency there's absolutely no research that proves that statement mm. um, um, now I probably turn it around um what what if you don't do it mm. um and look at companies look if you're looking at the age of companies mm. and how old the company gets 100 years versus nowadays i don't know what the latest numbers are but last time i checked numbers are coming down mm. like great companies are not lasting for 100 years anymore it's more like 20 years or so i, I need to double check those numbers so um and that shows for me, it's not only about just having one idea and to thrive, it's about having a continuation of ideas. And, and when I was at Cognizant, I always said, I have 300,000 trainers here, 300,000 smart people, mm -hmm. where every person has something to share with at least one other person. Mm -hmm. So it's not an it's not only about the managers or the leaders to come up with ideas, but anybody can come up with ideas. And if you, if you have that, the process, the ability, the, the interest for starters, 
for allowing these these things to bubble up, then 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 I'm sure magic will happen, and it might come from places that you didn't realize as as company leaders, um, and that would spark, I guess, uh, something great towards the future. So, what's the downside of it? I don't know. I or at least I I do know. The downside is that you're not going to explore. If you have a perfect product, if you have a monopoly, then of course it's it's easier for me not to uh, not to explore because you're 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 good for. But how many companies can say that? Maybe a government agency could say that because they have the monopoly of that service in a country. So they and you typically also see. Uh, at least it's a stereotype. I've seen a lot of, of administrations who were not like this, but some, some are not as curious about improving things and changing their processes than, uh, than others. True. All right. So You, uh, you give uh, me difficult questions. <laughs> let's, let's lighten it up a little bit, Stefan, by turning the gaze inward. Uh, we've spoken about, you know, you said in our questionnaire, uh, it's curiosity about the world, about oneself, and about others. So, before we do that, however, uh, in all of our smart casts, uh, we like to ask one trivia question around the theme for the the, the month. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, we we are in we love our trivia quizzing. So we're going to put you on the spot uh, and ask you this question. But we'll help you get to the answer if needed. All right. So all set. All okay. Set. So uh, a few years ago, uh, NASA ran a contest to name one of its rovers. The winner was a 12-year-old girl called Clara Ma, who said about her mm -hmm. choice, she said, uh, it's a powerful force. It gets me out of bed every morning. So what was her winning entry for this NASA rover? Uh, lovely, lovely question. Of course, it's curiosity. How uh, did you know that? It's, it's great. It's, <laughs> well done. Uh, well done. Yeah. Uh, you it's did just... also your re, uh, You did. I did also with my research. Uh, it's a beautiful, a beautiful statement. I think it's also beautiful that NASA is allowing or is inviting mm -hmm. kids to uh, to contribute because uh, NASA and NASA itself is kind of way up there in in terms of curiosity, kind of exploring space, and and, and, and that they're allowing. Young young adults to to share thoughts. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, that's so, again uh, the humility you spoke about. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, tell us a little bit about what got you uh, to create the Global Curiosity Institute. What is its mission, and what do you plan to do under that umbrella? Um, well, I. With the, with the Institute, I want to be the, the spark that reignites curiosity for individuals, for society, for, uh, for companies, because um, I think we need it nowadays to, to drive this. Uh, what drove me towards curiosity and what, what, what drove me towards setting up the, the Institute? As I said earlier, I've been intrigued all my, all my life as being Chief Learning Officer or, 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 or Head of the, the Corporate University to to realize what drives an individual and how what is the right way for an individual to be curious, for an organization to allow curiosity, and how do you make all of that? 
um, and I was uh, I was very fortunate to be able to work with beautiful companies and to try things out and to see how things are going. Um, interestingly, in the LD space, few of us have been focusing on mindset and habits. We've been focusing very much on on behaviors and on skills, but the habits somehow we shy away from, as if we don't really know how to deal with it enough. So. I thought, what about setting up a, an institute to drive this? Um, for companies, yes, but also for society at large. Because uh, I'd love for every grandmother, uh, for every student, for every teacher, uh, people that are not necessarily part of the corporate uh, fabric to also learn skills. That's why, for instance, the diagnostic that, that, that you've taken yourself is free. Uh, and I want to do more um, either low cost or free services for, for, for society at large. Um, and um, it's, um, yeah, that's why I set it up. So I, 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 I guess I got to an age where I want to give back. Uh, I also want to really follow my passion. I had my own company in the beginning of my career. Mm. Then I moved into the corporate space and now I'm, I'm back into a, a small, uh, a small venture and it's it's so energizing the feedback I'm getting from people people that are volunteering with uh, with their time and with ideas and uh, uh, and suddenly we're doing a podcast like this because you guys think this is there's there's merit in discussing curiosity isn't that beautiful right and uh, I also wanted to mention that for getting the, the right answer to the curiosity question uh, we're actually going to give you a little uh, gift, which is, uh, 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 you know, you can give this to someone else, you can use it for yourself, which is a, uh, we run some uh, groups around reading and kind of being aware of the future. Uh, it's called a reading compound because we believe that, you know, reading compounds over time. So that's your prize for doing well. So it's, it's great that you mentioned habits. And for those of you listening, uh, you know, if you go to the Global Curiosity Institute website, there's a questionnaire that you can take, and that gives you a very nice, uh, you know, introduction to you know your levels of curiosity. And I, Stefan has already mentioned, uh, it doesn't look at curiosity as one single dimension. It breaks it down. There are different aspects. Um, you can look at the. You, know, you can be curious about the world. You might be curious about other people, and of course, curious about oneself. The reflection aspect. Uh, you know, that uh, Stefan mentioned. So Stefan, uh, we also read that, uh, you know, you're into meditation. Uh, you clearly have, you know, you've had many hats in the past. So tell us a little bit about your curiosity habits, because, you know, what do you do to not fall in the trap of forgetting about the values of curiosity? Um, I guess for me, it's a bit easier being, 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 doing curiosity and the institute all the time and i need to talk about it i need to research it but i i i think for a long part of my career mm. i was i was just giving mm. and i was reading and i would but i was i was i was giving more than receiving than, than than giving myself back and it was roughly i think about seven eight years ago when i realized i was missing out on things there's so much beautiful knowledge out there in the world that if we're not careful, we're missing out. And, and I've, I've been talking to quite a number of leaders that being a good leader is 
is, is not a trait, it's more like a state. You are a good leader now. And if you don't sharpen your soul constantly, there is a danger that after a while you're not going to be as good as you are today. So I made a very conscious decision those seven, eight years ago to start reading up on much more than I've ever before. And I started reading pretty much anything I can put my, uh, my head around. It's like going into a bookshop and you, you're, you're, you're inspired by so much different stuff. I'm reading more the, 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 uh, the nonfiction part. Uh, and there's so much stuff around economics, around history, around anthropology, around psychology, you know. So I started reading myself uh, quite a bit. I'm now also doing a, 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 I'm starting two master's degree in philosophy since, uh, since, uh, since this year, just to keep myself uh, in tune with the, towards the degree even. Um, and I'm trying to read, I'm trying to, um, there's so much stuff out there in terms of videos, in terms of books, in terms of audio books, in terms of podcasts uh, like you're doing. There's no reason anymore to not to explore knowledge. Now, now often I'm trying to, trying to make the case there, and what I said earlier, like algorithms can be one reason why people are not curious. Right. And you would say that the internet is, is probably the only great innovation that was happening in the last 50 years or so. Mm. Um, but there's still a lot of, um, there's not no but, but there is, a, uh, there is an opportunity to use that tool towards becoming better. Okay. But there's also, an op there's also a possibility to use internet for, for more like killing time. Uh, and almost using that mindlessly uh, in, in, in going through, uh, through things, which is, a, which is, which is more a, a, a factor of being incurious almost. Mm. Um, because the only learning happens with reflection. Right. If you read a book, if you see of YouTube, if you see a blog post, if you just read it and then go on, nothing happens. Mm. You're just wasting your time. You have to reflect on it okay. while you're reading, after you're reading. And, and so there are, there's also a gift that we can give to society, I think, in, in helping people to change their, how they learn or giving, giving them ideas how to, how to um, approach knowledge in a new way, um, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm trying to be curious. Uh, can you, I mean, what's on your bookshelf right now? Anything interesting that you can tell us about? Um, I'm reading a couple of things now. I'm reading um, one book on my Kindle, which is uh, Range. Uh, David Epstein, I think he wrote it. And that's a um, that's a book on uh, the difference between narrow and broad uh, knowledge. Do we all want to be uh, a Tiger Woods uh, who started from when he was seven months old, I read, uh, and only did one thing? Uh, um, or do we want to be more like a Roger Federer who, who only started developing his tennis career when he was his teens and his mother apparently was a, was a, a tennis 
coach didn't even want to, to coach him uh, uh, because she thought, I don't know what she thought. Uh, but the, the Epstein is an important one. I'm reading, I'm through in an audiobook version, I'm reading Insight by Tasha Urich. Mm. Um, it's around self-awareness. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading many books at the same time. Sorry about that. Um, I'm reading a book on the philosophy of curiosity now. Mm. Um, and I'll stop here. There's a couple of other books I'm reading, but uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's lovely. Great. Uh, Range, by the way, is one of Harish's books of the year. I haven't managed to get around to it yet, but really? I, think I must. So uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we need to have a separate episode on just the, all the books that we will enjoy rec recommending to each other. So this is not going to do it justice. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, Stefan, uh, there's so much we could talk, but let's, uh, you know, let's do a one final minute. We're going to uh, do a, a little curiosity rapid fire just to close out things, all right? So uh, here goes. So one place on earth that you're very curious about? Mount Kailash. Okay, good, nice choice, yeah. Uh, strangest food item that you ever had? Uh, fried ants. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, there's also a tribe in India that uh, you know has a dish made of red ants. So we haven't tasted it, but yes, it's a it's a it's a curiosity in itself. Um, what do people you know? What are the kinds of topics that you get asked a lot of questions on? Apart from curiosity, well, how can I improve it? Hmm. Uh, well, uh, well, if I know curiosity is a topic, a lot of questions I'm getting from people is great. I got the the the, the, the report now. What do I do? How can I improve? Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a constant question that's coming up. And I'm actually working on that. Right, yeah, okay. Um, one mystery that you want to solve or want to see solved? Whoa. Um, whoa. Well, maybe I was thinking first of all, uh, why are we why are we voting for the wrong people in our societies, and what are the drivers, uh, or not the wrong people, but the people that are not necessarily have are lifting societies to a higher and better level of sophistication. Um, but that's not a politically correct uh, answer. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a, that's a mystery to me. Right. And uh, you know, I think all the things that you're reading will hopefully lead you somewhere to that because it's all mixed up with anthropology and uh, economics yes, and psychology, yes. right? Yes. So I think you have the right uh, you know, topics uh, to chase that question and it's a mystery. So I think uh, you're not alone. <laughs> all right, uh, if, uh, let's close with this question. Uh, if you could spend uh, a day uh, in, the, in, the, in the mind, body and shoes of a person who would that? Um, I think it, this is an Indian smart cast. I'd say Sadhguru. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be in his mind for a day. Okay. If you'd allow me. <laughs> Interesting answer. All right, Stefan. So on that uh, curious note, uh, thank you so much 
uh, it's really been uh, insightful, interesting. You've opened up uh, a few threads for us to chase, and I'm sure you know the cats that you see here uh, are not going to be killed by curiosity. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a fun. It was really good. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to get into the habit of reading or explore diverse topics that you wouldn't have read otherwise, CTQ Compounds is for you. Compounds are expertly curated by us and are a great way to slip in 15 minutes of reading non-fiction every day. The Future Stack Compound is perfect for anyone with their eye on the future. It gives you a regular dose of relevant info to keep you current and relevant in the future to come. For how you can be a part of a compound, go to ctqcompounds.com. You can also see what our compound members have to say about their experience there. That's ctqcompounds.com. This is the CTQ Smartcast, where we have conversations about up-leveling, deliberate practice and getting future relevant.